Good evening, everybody. It's 8 o'clock in Arizona. I'm Andrew, and welcome to the Drewification. Real quick, i got to give a shout-out to Justin McAfee for providing me with my artwork for my for my podcast, and i got to thank Anchor, too, for having the app and letting me try this out. Anyway, my name is Andrew, and I'm here to talk sports, music, anything else that might be on my mind, or anybody else listening that might be on your mind, let me know. Uh, I will not do politics or religion, though. Not happening, so you can just take that out right now out of your mind. Uh, Just a quick note real quick. I am doing Arizona and Detroit sports teams, music, whatnot. Uh, And I want to give my quick first update right now. The Arizona and Carolina game right now, it is 3-0. Coyotes over the Panthers. Uh, Goals by Nick Perlini, uh, Brandon Perlini, Nick Cousins, and Brad Richardson. Shots right now are... 12-9 12 to 9 in favor of in favor of Arizona. Looks like a good game right there and the Coyotes as of right now are really really looking a lot better. This team beginning of the season, they were very concerning. I mean, they lost their first few games, not a win to save their life. But right now, they're looking a lot better. The forwards are doing great. Goaltending is solid. My biggest concern right now with the Coyotes They've got to get that defense going. The defense is just... Oliver ekman Larson cannot carry the defense of that team all by himself. It's just... It's not possible. So, I think that defense, when it gets short up, Arizona is going to really make an impact this year. I really feel this could be their year. Not going to say they're going to go to the playoffs and win the Stanley Cup. That's not going to happen. This team's been rebuilding for... I could say it officially started after the 2012 season when they made their Western Conference Championship run and got annihilated by the Los Angeles Kings. But that's a whole different issue. So, Arizona-Carolina game on right now. Looking good. Second period should be starting up pretty soon. Um, the Red Wings. <laughs> well, we're not going to talk about the Red Wings. That team is atrocious right now. They are absolute garbage. Now, I've been a Red Wing fan my entire life. They're garbage right now. I mean, just, just, just horrible. I mean, just, just, like, I can't even watch one of their games, even if they are on. I mean, granted, I live in Arizona, so it's not very often I get to see their games come on, but they're terrible. I mean, just all the way around. Jimmy Howard, I'm sorry, man. I had faith in you for a little while, but he should have been traded a long time ago. But that's the problem. The Red Wings signed him to that atrocious contract. And I know for a fact that they were banging on phone lines trying to get him traded. But no one wants to take over that contract. Because I think everybody knows he's not worth it. Now I've had people that I've talked to, a lot of friends of mine who know hockey very well as well. And they try to say like, oh, well, no, you know, he's a good goalie, blah, blah. And like, no, he's not a good goalie. He's too inconsistent. He's nowhere to the caliber of Osgood. He's definitely no Dominic Hasek. And these are goalies that carry the Red Wings and made that team complete for so long. Now, granted, I do yearn for the <laughs> the times of yesteryear. Because the Red Wings, and people hate me for being a Red Wing fan, especially some of my buddies back home who were Sharks fans, but we won't get into that right now. That will also be for another time. But, you know, hey, they're atrocious now, but I knew... Any Red Wing fan with any kind of knowledge of that team and that sport knew that that run was going to come to an end. I mean, hey, 25 straight years of the playoffs, four Stanley Cups, President's Trophies. 
I, I couldn't ask for a better run as a fan. And it was only a matter of time before it came to an end. But it's painful. It is painful to the point where, going back to what I was going to say when I began on the Red Wings, when I see a game on TV, I almost just want to turn it off. That front office just needs to go. Now, granted, I think I've heard the rumors and I've read some of the articles, the big rumor now the, you know, around the hot rumor mill is that Ken Holland is supposed to finally be gone because he'll wind up probably taking over as a GM as the next potential NHL expansion team, which hey, they'll do great with someone like Holland. Holland's the reason why we had the success we had, but his time has come. And it's like anything else. It's like a coaching change, a change of <clears throat> captainship of a hockey team, sometimes a new voice is what an organization may need. And I really sincerely feel that Holland's time is over. It's done. And we all know, anyone in Detroit that might be hearing this right now, we all know who we want to come home. We need Stevie Y home. I look at what he's done in Tampa Bay. He's built a legitimate Stanley Cup contender pretty much every year that he's been in control of that team. Will he do the same thing with the Red Wings? Well, I'm going to be the optimist, and I'm going to be biased and say absolutely he will. But like any other rebuild, it's going to take some time. There is no doubt. It's going to take a lot of time. And, you know, I really hope he pulls it off. And I hope he comes home. The rumor and the story on that one is that he's supposed to be slated to come back to the Red Wings next year. Apparently, from what I've read and from what I've been seeing is that he's in a training mode right now for that person underneath him in Tampa Bay to eventually train him to step into the GM spot. The other the other concept of this whole entire issue is that it should be no surprise whatsoever that Stevie was going to get a clamoring to come home. It's only a matter of time. That's how I feel about the Red Wings right now. Detroit Lions got a game coming up against the Minnesota Vikings, a divisional game. Detroit is 1-0 in their division, but they are 3-4 overall. So what's the problem with the Lions? Well, early in the season, I might have had to point right off the bat to the new head coach, Matt Patricia. Anybody by any chance saw that Monday night game against the Jets? I watched it and literally was sick to my stomach. That was supposed to be a guaranteed win for the Lions. How it did not come out that way, I, God only knows. I mean, you at one point had more Jets fans in that place than Lions fans, because by the time the Jets got to 48 points, I'd say 75% of that Ford field was a ghost town, except for Jets fans. I don't know what to tell you on that one. It was just... I don't know. I mean, there was one point, and I saw this on one of my Facebook posts um, a couple days after the game. They actually had a short video clip where you couldn't hear it, but it almost looked like Matt Patricia muttered under his breath, I give up. <laughs> I'll tell you what, brother, I would have given up too. I don't know what happened to that team that night. I don't know what's happening with them now, but that's me being the pure, big-hearted, just diehard fan. But let's step back and look at this from a standpoint of building the team. You have Bob Quinn that came from New England. Okay, Now you have Matt Patricia, also from New England. If anybody doesn't see the writing on the wall, we have the Patriot mind frame coming to the Detroit Lions. 
the Lions fans, in my opinion now, unfortunately are not seeing this all the way through, though, for what it is. Case in point. NFL trade deadline just was done on Tuesday, October 30th. It's a frenzy. It's not like the NHL, because the NHL, their trade deadline, considering that their season's from October until June, their trade deadline happens March, end of February-ish. So you've got damn near half, if not a few games more of the season that you've already got players that are being traded, wheeled and dealed and whatnot. But when that trade deadline day happens, you just see a frenzy of it. So imagine the NFL essentially, obviously, is condensed to a 16-game season. We all know the NFL, every game matters. Every game matters for every team. Even the teams that are realistically terrible right from the start, every game matters. So that's why halfway through the NFL season, we have a trade deadline. It either is or is not going to be a frenzy. I was shocked that there wasn't more activity, just overall. But the one that got me the most, without a doubt, was the trading of Golden Tate. Now, as a fan, and as Golden Tate being one of my fan favorites, I was livid, absolutely livid, the day that Golden Tate got traded. Livid. The man is Matthew Stafford's favorite target. When he gets the ball, if you don't get him, you can almost guarantee 20, 30 yards per play. If you don't stop him. And when you do stop Tate, you're guaranteed at least seven, eight yards. Problems with Golden Tate, though. He is a slot receiver. He's not a long ball receiver. He's not like Kenny Galladay, the rookie we got last year. He's not like Marvin Jones Jr. He's not built for that type of role. But he's got the stats and the numbers and the credentials and a Super Bowl to prove what his worth is. He's a free agent at the end of this year with Detroit anyway. He was probably going to command a 13 to $15 million per season from the Lions. There's no way that essentially Tate would, in my opinion, be the third best receiver on the Detroit Lions. Behind Marvin Jones, who essentially now is the number one receiver, and Kenny Galladay, which, give it time, he could evolve into potentially the next closest thing to Calvin Johnson. So you've got a number one and number two receiver that are, that are the long ball, long haul targets for Stafford. You cannot pay a third best slot receiver running short slot screens and majority short yardage type of plays $15 million a season. I personally, I don't think Matthew Stafford should be making $27 million a season. I mean, he's the best quarterback that we've had on this team in who knows how long. But $27 million a year for those happy feet of his that he just cannot get planted sometimes. I blame the O-line sometimes. But even on the games where he has had that O-line on point, guarding him with their life, there's times no pocket awareness, and the guy, he's got too much happy feet. Very similar to Phillip Rivers. Because Philip Rivers has kind of got those happy feet too, but he lets the ball go. He, he, has, he has all the awareness of what's downfield. Stafford's hit or miss. Now, don't get me wrong. Stafford, I think he's one of the better quarterbacks in the NFL. I'm glad we kept him. I'm glad we paid him to stay. Do I agree that that big, whomping contract we gave him was what, was what it was? I don't agree with it at all. 
it was way too much money. It obviously affects the cap space. Speaking of the cap space, the ironic weird thing about when they traded Golden Tate was that they actually restructured Marvin Jones Jr.'s contract to $2 million of restructuring for cap space. Now, when that happened, I was waiting for the Lions to do something else. Didn't happen. That's fine. But let's just real quick, I want to make this real quick and rotate back to the mindset of trading a player like Golden Tate. He's a rental now for the Philadelphia Eagles. The Eagles are only going to have him for the rest of the season. Guaranteed the regular season and then the distance they decide to go in the playoffs. I wish Golden Tate the best of luck. In fact, I will be probably one of those temporary Eagles fans just for Golden Tate. Just like I remember before Calvin Johnson finally retired, there was all the talk that he might go to New England. I remember when Larry Fitzgerald was rumored to go to New England. Do I like the New England Patriots? No, I do not. They are definitely not one of my teams. However, if Calvin Johnson or Fitzgerald would have gone to New England, that would have been a very, very rare time. I would have rooted for them only to see Calvin Johnson or Larry Fitzgerald get a Super Bowl ring. After that, not happening. I mean, that goes without saying. Kind of the same concept with the Eagles. I'm not an NFC East fan, really. Like, at all. I mean, look at the teams that are in there right now. The best team in the NFC East right now is the Redskins. They're trouncing all three of the other ones, as far as I'm concerned. So there's that one. But I will be an Eagles fan only past the playoffs. Because I'd love to see Golden Tate progress. And if that team does well, and if there's an off chance that the Eagles go back-to-back, which I will say just out of what I'm seeing, the Eagles will not repeat as Super Bowl champions this year. There's just no way. Unless they do what they did last year and they just get hot. I mean, Carson Wentz is back, but that's the other thing. Eagles did not win the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. I want to see Golden Tate do well. I really hope he does. But they got a rental. We got a third-round draft pick out of that deal. For nothing. Nothing. Next year, we were going to get a third-round draft pick. And we were supposed to have a good draft class of defensive players next year, which is what the Lions need to address immediately. Because our defense is... I don't even care about statistics right now. They are one of the worst defenses I'm seeing in the NFL right now. Horrible. Absolutely horrible. They need more people on their secondary. I mean, Nevin Lawson, Tease Tabor, they're a joke. They, they got to go. I, I mean, the, the only play, player, as far as I'm concerned, in the secondary you got that's worth anything, and I love him to death, and he's a great one, is Darius Slay. And he's a phenomenal cornerback. One of the best in the league. I'll give him top five. Past couple games, not so much. But that whole secondary's suffered. The front line needs the work. We got Snacks Harrison, otherwise known as Damon Harrison. That's his real name. Snacks Harrison from the New York Giants. Another giveaway by a team. We gave up a fifth-round pick for Snacks Harrison. Arguably one of the best run stoppers in the NFL. And I'll tell you what, even though the Lions got trounced on Sunday by Seattle... Which is, oh my lord, absolutely heartbreaking. Because Seattle's not that good, and I think we should have won that game. Especially at home at Ford Field. But whatever. (laughs) That game's over, and it is what it is. But we didn't win that game. But the defense definitely improved on the run. Little known fact. Snacks Harrison, when he was off the field, he was stopping. Seattle was only going two yards per carry. When Snacks was not on the field. 
it was like seven yards per carry. That's an impact. Five yards is a lot. We all know that in the NFL. Five yards is a lot. So, Lions are at the Vikings on Sunday. Um, I have a fear that the Lions will win that game. Two reasons. One, well, Minnesota's banged up. A lot of their number one starters are not playing the game. The one I'm worried about the most, though, would be Dalvin Cook. Apparently, he's practicing. If he's practicing, even if it's limited, if he goes to full participation, you know he's coming back. Damon Harrison's going to have his handful stopping him because he is one of the finer running backs in the NFL. But I see a trend with the Detroit Lions. They can't beat the teams that are mediocre for some reason this year. The Jets. The 49ers. The Cowboys, they should have won that game, but they didn't. And the Seahawks. The Vikings are a good team, though. And I'm going to pick the Lions to beat them because that's just what the Lions have done this year. They beat the good teams, the Patriots, the Packers, the Vikings more than likely. So they'll go 4-4 four and four and they'll beat 500. Do the Lions have a shot at the playoffs this year? I don't think they do. I'll give the Lions 8-8. Eight and eight. They have one of the toughest schedules coming up. They got to play the Rams. They got to play the Panthers. They got to play the Vikings tomorrow. Then they got to play the Bears. Bear with me. I'm sorry. I don't know what it is after that. But then the next game after that, they got to play the Bears again. I mean, the Bears twice in two weeks. Once at Ford Field, once at Soldier, Soldier Field. Thanksgiving game for the Bears in Detroit will be in Detroit. But the game at Soldier Field, I don't know. That Bears defense is deadly, especially with Khalil Mack. So we'll see about that one. Right now, I got my kind of games to watch for Sunday. And as I'm kind of looking down the list that I've got here, well, I'll tell you right now, there's only a few games that really stand out to me. The biggest one that stands out more than anything, though, I want, I invite everybody. And seriously, everyone needs to listen to this. I invite everybody to watch that Rams and Saints game. Rams are 8-0. Saints are 6-1. As far as I'm concerned right there, that's a preview of what I think is going to be the NFC Championship game. That Rams team is so loaded up with talent. There's a reason why they're 8-0. There's a reason why they are trouncing, absolutely pulverizing and trouncing the NFC West. The Seahawks? Forget it. The Cardinals? Huh. That's going to be probably my next conversation here, which is going to be painful. And the 49ers. It's a, it's a garbage division. And the Rams are running away with it. They're running away from the whole league right now, as far as I'm concerned. That's why when I go back to the brutal schedule of the Lions, I don't see any reason how. How, by any long shot, I wouldn't ever put any of my money on the Lions for that game. With my heart, I'm going to say I'd hope the Lions would win. But if someone told me right now, put 10 bucks in that Lions game, I'm going to put 10 bucks in the Lions to lose. That's the game of the week for me right there, right off the bat. That Rams and Saints game to me is going to be a battle. Okay, no. Correction, though. It could go one of two ways. It could be a close, low-scoring game, which would be a bore because both teams are so good. Or it could be a blowout. It could be one team or the other is going to trounce the other. I hope to God we don't see those two options. I hope we see a close game that's going to be determined and battled out right to the end. 
And that's going to literally be one of these teams either winning at the last second by a touchdown or, I guess if we have to, by a field goal. Please, for the love of God, do not go to overtime. These overtime ties that we've had this season, more than I've ever seen in my whole life of watching football, are killing me. Note to the NFL. Please figure out a way to end these games without ties. It's it's asinine. It really is. The NHL does it with the shootouts. The NFL needs to do it somehow with football. Which now brings me to my next segment here with <laughs> Thursday Night Football. Anybody watch that? I don't. Thursday Night Football is garbage. I mean, if I'm sitting around my house on a Thursday night after work and I'm, you know, relaxing with the kids or doing whatever, I may flip the game on, see what's happening. Actually, for that matter, I'll flip it on just to see who's playing. Because that's just literally how much I don't pay attention to Thursday Night Football. From what I've seen since they started it, the games they put on are garbage. Case in point, last night's game, 49ers and Raiders. Yeah, the 49ers trounced the Raiders. I'm actually kind of not surprised. That Raider organization and the team's in shambles. I mean, Gruden's trading away. He might as well just trade away the whole team and just bring in a bunch of college kids that don't know nothing about the game at all, about playing in the NFL. They're terrible. And I'm sure the Niners, they probably felt like they won the Super Bowl last night with the, with the way they played and the score they put up there, considering the way their season's gone. You don't got Jimmy G. Bethard is a joke, as far as I'm concerned. And this, this quarterback you put in last night, I don't even know what his name is. From what I've heard, he played well. But beware, 49er fans. I don't want you guys to think you all of a sudden maybe possibly have another Colin Kaepernick in the mix. Oh, I know, and I'm sorry, that's probably a bad word, Colin Kaepernick. I... Apologies for even bringing that one up. But these Thursday night games, they're just, they're junk. I didn't even understand what the whole point of it was. I mean, if it was for the NFL to bring ratings or more viewers in, all right, fine. Then you got to put some quality games on. You can't put on games like the battle for last place. Hey, 49ers and Raiders, battle of the Bay, here we go. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous. It's not an exciting game. If you, I mean, again, like I said, if you're a Niner fan, it's exciting because you probably haven't seen that many points go up for the whole season. But it was a, it, the game was junk. Absolute junk. I think I turned it on for about a minute. And I was like, no, I'm good. It's terrible. York family's got to go. They need to relinquish ownership of that team. You need a whole reshuffle of ownership. You need a reshuffle of upper management. The only guarantee on that team, I would say personally, is you got to keep that head coach, Kyle Shanahan, and you got to keep Jimmy G. Jimmy Garoppolo is one of the best things you've had in a long time. A hell of a lot better quarterback than Kaepernick was. Kaepernick, to me, was a half a year wonder. Came in for half that season, took him to the Super Bowl. I'll give him credit. He looked great that year. I understand why you would have signed him to that contract. What happened? I don't know. Kind of like Mark Sanchez. Mark Sanchez's rookie year took the Jets to the AFC Championship game. What happened? And what happens to these players? You know, just like the players that come in from college that were like the number one picks, you see so many of them that were a bust. Go back to 98 when, during that draft, when Ryan Leaf was the number one pick drafted by the Chargers and Peyton Manning was the number two pick drafted by the Colts. Anyone who knows football back in that time, look how that worked out. Ryan Leaf goes down as the biggest bust in the history of the NFL. Personally, I think that actual title got taken away by Jamarcus Russell, but I guess it could still be up for debate. Other games that are on this weekend for football, I 
I don't know. The only other game I could see on here on my list that I see that even sparks any interest for me would be obviously the Lions and Vikings because I'm a Lions fan, but I'm going to have to go with Steelers and Ravens. And that's just basically based off the rivalry. And I picked the Ravens to go on that one. Steelers are too choppy, too inconsistent. The Ravens, I'm not going to say they're anything great, but to me, between the two of them, they're definitely the better team. It's really all I see with that one. Football's always exciting. I always look forward to Sundays and Mondays, just like I hope you guys do too. Thursday night games, I don't waste my time, nor should you. Personally, the Lions were playing a Thursday night game. I might watch. But I know it's going to be against a team that's probably equally as bad, if not worse, than them. That's how they do the Thursday night games. You know, I don't know. The other big news in the NFL, I don't know if you guys heard, Cleveland Browns fired Todd Haley and Hugh Jackson. Now you got the defensive coordinator that took over and the offensive line coach that took over as the offensive coordinator. We'll see if that happens because I feel bad for Baker Mayfield. To me, he's an impressive, good rookie. Kind of like now, let's move on to the Arizona Cardinals. Aye, aye, aye. Josh Rosen. Promising. Phenomenal. But when in the name of all humanity are the Cardinals ever going to address that offensive line? Never. I mean, even when their teams look legitimate, it's not happening. The year that they were on All or Nothing on HBO, the last year for Arians, or I'm sorry, the I think it was the second year year for Arians. Correct me on that one if I'm wrong. What happened to them? I mean, it was terrible. It all started when David Johnson broke his wrist. I know, that that just killed the running game right out of the gate. But, d- d- I, I don't know what happened. That offensive line is what kills that team every time. The year they went to the NFC Championship, what killed that team? The offensive line. Carson Palmer didn't have a chance that game. Not a chance. Cardinals got to do something right now, because that defense used to be, to me, absolutely just stellar. It's fallen into oblivion. I do not agree with Steve Wilkes' cha- uh, play calling. Getting rid of Mike McCoy was a good start. I will say that. But where do you go from there? You're obviously going to be looking to next year. Which I'd be willing to say I don't believe Steve Wilkes will be around. I think this NFL now to me is a one-and-done league for coaches. I mean, hell, look what happened to Jim Harbaugh. He left the team. They put in... Jim uh, Tom Tom Sula or Jim Tom Sula, whatever his name was. I thought he actually did pretty decent for the situation he was in. Fired him after one year. I, I mean, it's just, it seems like this is the trend. I feel bad for Steve Wilkes because I think he's trying the best he can with what he's got, but it's just, I just don't think it's good enough for him. That's where I'm at with football right now for the week. Ah. Let's go to college ball, which I will say, as I learn these podcasts and as I get more comfortable and familiar with this and, and hopefully I'm hoping so far from what I've said and what I've talked about, I've hoped I've sparked even a little bit of interest. I know sports aren't always everyone's forte and I know all that kind of stuff. And I know I'm being real, you know, hockey and football right now, but Hey, baseball's over. I can't even start covering the Tigers yet. And in fact, right now I don't even think I want to cover the Tigers. That's a whole other train wreck. We're going to leave that one alone right now or I might get mad. But I really hope, at least so far, there's been some interest. And I hope you guys enjoy what I'm talking about, what I'm saying. College ball is one I'd love to cover. 
But I literally, I think for the first time in my life this year is really the first year I've gotten into college ball. My niece, Hannah, was really my inspiration. Um, graduate of U of M just this year. Very, very proud of her. And give a shout out to my niece. I love you, Hannah. Hannah was probably my inspiration to, to become more of a Michigan fan. I was always, I always called myself a Wolverines fan, you know, but I never really paid attention. This year is the first year I paid attention. Hannah, my niece, gave me the real motivation for that. So, we got Michigan and Penn State tomorrow. Go Blue. That's all I'm going to say. I got a lot more familiarizing to do with college ball, how it all works, Pac-12, Big Ten, SEC. I don't know it. It's complicated compared to the NFL. The NFL is easy. 32 teams, two conferences. Each division has four teams in it. I mean, it's simple. College, not so much. And actually, it might be really simple. Maybe I'm just overthinking it. I don't know. All I know is that Michigan right now is ranked fifth in the nation. And if Ohio State keeps slipping, which I think they're done, I think they can move into the Final Four. I really hope they do. But the biggest thing with Michigan, like I do know this because I get educated by my father who knows college ball well, beat Ohio State. That's the linchpin for them. Ohio State just literally owns the Wolverines. They're not going to do it this year, though. Personally, I think the Wolverines have the team to win a national championship, finally. From what I'm seeing, I'm trying to take my knowledge of NFL football and translate it to what I see on the field of a college game, which it's two different, it's basically two different games. You watch a college game versus an NFL game, it's two different games, period. To me, college ball, from what I've seen so far, my first full season of watching it, it's a lot more exciting than the NFL. Those kids are out there. And it's a combination of two things. They're still playing for not only just the love of the game that they that they grew up and love playing for so much, but there is a reality. They're probably also trying to play for getting in the NFL. I love college ball. I've been to two Fiesta Bowls, actually, um, with my mother a few years back. I think one I went to in 2006 with her, and then the last one I went to was back in 13. Um, it's the atmosphere of a college game is, is phenomenal. The, the, the live band, the, the the college marching band that they have play in there before the game, halftime. I mean, they have a whole stands dedicated for that band and everything. And and just seeing the, the atmosphere of, of all the parents and the adults and all those fans that follow those colleges for their team. It's amazing. I love it. I absolutely love it. And I got to make a dig right now. Michigan, we beat Michigan State. We beat the little Sparties. I'm happy about that. I can't stand Michigan State. Just like I can't stand Ohio State. To me, it's the two biggest rivalries right now. Now, go ahead and ask me who I think the bigger rivalry is. Michigan and Ohio State or Michigan and Michigan State? Well, outside looking in, I would say definitely Michigan and Ohio State's the rivalry. But I want to tend tend to stick to the interstate rivalry. Personally, I think I hate the Spartans just a tick more than I hate the Buckeyes. So anyway, Michigan and Penn State coming up tomorrow. It's a 1245 game, 345 Eastern time. Go blue. Penn State's tough, and I hope you pull it off. And going to hockey right now again. Top three teams in hockey, Nasha, Tampa, and Winnipeg. Nashville. I said Nasha. (laughs) Sorry. Detroit Red Wings are in 29th place. Terrible. Arizona Coyotes, 21st place. Well, now that may not sound very exciting to most people. Earlier in the season, they were in last place. They've shot up to 21st, and they are climbing. Climbing. The defense is garbage, though. Like I said earlier in the show, they got to do something about it. 
So I'm going to wrap up my sports for the night as of right now. Um, I want to move over real quick and just do some music here. Right now, I posted it on Facebook, anybody who saw it, but as of right now, my top band that I will listen to over and over again. Slash with Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. I put a little review up of one of, my, of them on Facebook today. I was listening to a song they have called Wicked Stone. They are one of the finest forms of rock music I've heard in a long time. The way that music flows, the way the lead singer just pounds out those lyrics, the songs, they just flow and they make sense. They're heavy and hard, but they're not leaving you questioning the song you just listened to. Like, you, you, you get it. You get the music. I don't even need to mention Slash and his brilliance. That just, just listen to the, just listen to the band. Listen to his guitar. Listen to the way he makes it sing. Slash requires no introduction. Ever. I credit my mom for getting me into them because my mom's 70th birthday this year back in September and I did post pictures of it on my Facebook page. She wanted to just go to a place here. It's in Phoenix. It's called the Van Buren. We went to go see Slash and the Conspirators with Miles Kennedy play. And they were, they rocked the house. Slash has not lost it. He's still the same. I saw Guns N' Roses back in 1991. Back in Michigan at the old Pontiac Silverdome. My first ever concert. Co-headlining, Guns N' Roses and Metallica. Looking back, I used to be the biggest Metallica fan. So, of course, if you would ask me then who I thought was a better show, it was Metallica. Oh, yeah, Faith and War played in that one, by the way. They opened up for him. They were good. They were good. Sorry to my sister. I know how much of a Faith No More fanatic you were. And I had my little spat with Faith No More myself. But looking back, they were a one-hit wonder. Again, story for another time. But I look back now, and I was, you know, I was young. I was only 10. So, realistically, when I look back, I can still have that concert in my mind. And the one that always stick out to me was when they played November Rain and Slash got up there on that piano to play the solo for it. He hasn't lost it. In fact, I think he's better than he was back on any of his Guns N' Roses albums. You listen to any, you listen to any Guns N' Roses album and you listen to Slash play. He, he's brilliant. He makes that guitar talk. You listen to him on, with the... Uh, Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators? Personally, I think he blows away all his performances with Guns N' Roses. Again, that's my opinion. I'm a musician myself, so I have a little bit of a harder opinion of the way I see it. But that's just what I see with Slash. He hasn't lost it. Check out Slash, Miles Kennedy and the Conspirators. Another band I've been really digging just came out last year's Bad Wolves. First song I heard from them and the song that kind of put them on the map realistically was when they covered Zombie by the Cranberries. It was an ode to the unfortunate passing of the Cranberries lead singer Dolores O'Riordan. Wasn't much of a Cranberries fan myself, but that song, like a lot of these songs by bands, was an impact song. Great song about the tragedies that happened in Ireland. And Dolores O'Riordan just had one of those phenomenal voices. Just one of those voices that just stuck. It was different. It was powerful. It was beautiful. And we suffered a tragic loss in the music business for her passing. But Bad Wolves is a great up-and-coming band, I think. I've heard a couple of their tracks now, too, and I think they're a good, solid rock band. Um, <clears throat> and, of course, Nothing More, another one of my favorites. Their album, Stories We Tell Ourselves, just came out. Phenomenal, phenomenal band. I saw them a few years ago with some friends at a little thing we have down in Arizona called U-Fest. They're absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal band. Um, they were a band that got you into them playing. They were up there, they performed, they did things I'd never even seen bands do before. Absolutely phenomenal. I need to see them again when they come out, and I suggest you do too whenever they're in your area. 
they're down here in Arizona, to all my fans and all my people that are supporting me in Detroit right now, and to all my friends and that really, really were behind me in this whole decision I made to jump into doing podcasts and try to get into radio, all my friends, a shout out to you in the Bay Area, you guys, thank you so much, especially on Facebook today, a lot of you put a Get some good words out for me. A lot of likes on Facebook. It made me, it made me, I would have done this no matter what. No matter what, if I would have gotten no likes or 60 likes or whatever and all the words of encouragement on Facebook, I would have done this no matter what. But just having that, that, that support behind me was, was excellent. I got to thank you all for that. Um, I'm going to close down my first ever podcast. This was a very impromptu one. I wasn't even going to do this for a few weeks because I really just wanted to kind of get some research in. I wanted to try to think of ideas and and just other ways I could put a twist on some of this stuff. But I got jazzed up. I wanted to get the voice out there. I wanted to get my, my opinions out there right off the bat. And this podcast right now, I'm timing, it's already at 37 minutes. They will probably be longer. Especially after I watch these games and I can give you more detailed analysis of how I felt about them and just about anything. Please, guys, anyone listening to this podcast today, please give me suggestions, give me criticisms. I'm out there. I'm on Facebook right now. I actually don't even know the actual link to my Facebook page, but I will get it there. I will put it in somehow. Um, Anyone on my Facebook page, I put it up today that I named the podcast Jewification. Anybody who liked it, subscribe to it on Anchor. Again, Anchor is the app that I'm going through on this one, and I have to thank them again for having an app about this and allowing me to come on board and, you know, put a podcast out there. Once again, I want to thank Justin McAfee again one more time for the artwork he did. And uh, anybody who might listen to this tonight, tomorrow, never, whenever, thank you so much for giving it some time. I hope any of this was helpful to you, and I appreciate it. And until next time, guys, have a great Friday night. Be safe out there. Have fun. Don't forget, Daylight Savings Time is on Sunday morning. Except for us people out here in Arizona, we don't change time. So anyone out there on the East Coast or in Michigan, wherever, we will officially be two hours behind you. California, you'll go back to one hour behind us. We don't change time here in Arizona. I guess I kind of like it. I don't know. Have a great night, everybody. Be safe out there and have a great weekend.